Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. If you were with us last week, uh, you know that we started a new series called Pressure Points. And for this month, we're going to be looking at various pressure points that many of us, uh, our culture and our society have felt over the last 15 months particularly. Um, and then the last two, the first two weeks of this series is on mental health. And uh, we're so grateful to have Brett Ullman uh, speak into that. Last week, he started that conversation and left us hanging a little bit. Uh, this week, he's going to continue it. And so we're going to move right into that right now and listen to Brett as he Uh, as he joins us with part two. So take a listen. Hi, everybody. I am glad to be back for part two of the conversation on mental health. If I'm correct, this series is called Pressure Points. And I don't, I think one of the biggest pressure points we hear about and will hear about for a while is the conversation of mental health. It was an issue before COVID, uh, yet alone with what's happened in the last uh, year and a half or so. If you are here for the first time listening to this, this is the second part of a two-part series. You can go back uh, on the church website and find uh, whatever medium is being shown uh, the first part. What I really did, just to give you a quick synopsis in the first part, is we looked at a bit of what is mental health, what is mental illness. We looked at some signs of mental health and mental illness in our families and our friends and ourselves. And I kind of left you off with what I think is a process, and I'm very... I think the term's pragmatic. I'm very, I want structures for things. And I love the idea of body and mind and soul. One of my psychologists once said, to facilitate healing, we have to divide up the indivisible. And I love that. Because the truth is, what worked for you, I mean, someone took B12 and that helped. It doesn't mean that everyone needs B12. I think we all need B12, but you know what I mean by that. So... Uh, we kind of left off with the conversation on pursuing three roads at once. And what I want to do is to go into more detail of these things. So first is the body. And this is not one, two, and three, right? This is like the Venn diagram with the three circles. So when I, um, <clears throat> when I first began this journey, I went to see my family doctor. And my family doctor gave me a physical. Now, physicals some doctors do these some don't but it's they will look you over they make make you go for blood work and i get a lot of blood work done currently i'm at what's called a functional or an integrative medicine clinic so i have doctors and like a medical doctor naturopathic doctor osteopath massage therapist you know gut nutrition all these people and together they send me for blood work and so i go and see do that a lot i'm a sleep specialist i always like to say like how many of you have ever been to a sleep specialist and I can't see, but I would say a fair number of you do. If you've never been to a sleep specialist, it means you're struggling with sleep and you want to know why. So you go and they stick electrodes all over you and they're like, good night. And then you fall asleep in some office park building somewhere. But in the morning, I remember waking up and going to the doctor and saying, hey, can you fix me? And he said, no. I remember kind of looking down and he said, no, look up at me. He says, this is good. You don't want a sleep issue. He said, like, whatever's on your list of things that might be, cross off that one or do it, like, do a tick mark saying you've checked it. And I'm like, what a great kind of thought process as we try to figure out what's wrong. Now, when I talked about body, mind, and soul, there are some people who aren't and people 
it's this is it. And so a friend of mine is a pastor to church in Alberta, and he began to have struggles roughly the same amount of time, like kind of like me. He was off work, uh, can't, you know, months and months were going by, but his church said this, it's a spiritual issue and you are not to go to doctors. We will pray for you as a church and you will get better. Five months in, he's writing me and he is unwell. Like he's a father, not being a father. He's a husband. He said, I'm not a husband. I haven't worked in months and months. And I said to him, what's your biggest presenting symptom? Like what, what, and he, he just said exhaustion. I, I don't sleep. I wake up exhausted. I go to bed exhausted. So I said, go to a sleep clinic. And so he did. And I said to him in the morning, ask the doctor, can you fix me? And the doctor said with a second, he goes, yeah, sure. And this guy said, he almost cried on the spot. He says, what do you mean? And the guy, doctor said, you have the worst sleep apnea we've ever seen at our clinic ever. Like bar none, you are the worst we've ever seen. And they put him on, I call them a Darth Vader machine, BiPAP, CPAP machines. And he was better in, honestly, one day. Now, he went into work and his pastor sent him home. Good for the senior pastor. He wasn't perfectly better. But if you ever not slept for a while and you get a good night's sleep, it's just so refreshing. This is the problem when you look at someone and assume you know what's wrong with them. And maybe if the issue is sleep, the most simple solution might be a BiPAP or CPAP machine. Now, all truth is God's truth if you want to say it. So this doctor was able to diagnose and, and found that the answer was this. And I would just say, this is how we need to be as the church, right? Thinking, like actually walking through these conversations better. Medicine, I'm not currently on medicine. And I say that and I do keep Ativan near me. I read recently 40 plus percent of pastors use Ativan before they speak. Ativan is just a, it's called a benzodiazepine. They're not great for you, they bring you down. Uh, and so before I have a panic attack, I will take those, but I'm not on any medication currently for my mental health. CAT scan, MRI, neurologist. I had, an, I had a brain doctor because my anxiety manifests as dizziness. So even if I was with you physically this morning, I'd be sitting in a, a big chair. Like I'm, I don't know if you can see, like I'm in a big office chair. But if I was physically with you today, I'd be sitting in a chair. I sit when I speak because I've learned even though I feel dizzy in a chair, I can't fall over. And for whatever reason, my body responds more positively to that. But I went to a neurologist to see if there was something wrong with my brain. I had an MRI, everything was negative. Books, naturopath, nutritionist, referrals, allergists. Some of these things might just be, you know, your unsustainable life coming to fruition. You can't work 90, 80 hours a week and not have something break, right? Your body, your family, your marriage, your faith and other things. And so these are just natural consequences. And so take back control of what you can. By the way, the Bible is filled with physical analogies. Running the good race and your body is the temple. So treat it like a temple, right? And the three big things here, exercise daily. Now, if you're listening and you like me struggle with anxiety, depression, daily exercise is a non-negotiable. This is one of those things, like if you need to put a list down of things to do for the day, exercise is it. Now, for some of you, it might mean walking to the mailbox and back. My mailbox is 117 steps, I think, from my house. For others of you, it's around the block. For people today like me, I break my 5K walk into two and a half in the morning and two and a half in the afternoon. And if one day you can't do it, do it the next day, but exercise. And other people, it's weights or spin class. Number two is sleep more. And we might say sleep better. I have a YouTube video on 20 
kind of convers 20 things about sleep hygiene, meaning cooler room and uh, blackout blinds and don't have like your phone technology. Don't, you know, be on blue light before you go to bed and all these things. And the last one is eat better. Now, I'm not saying you all have to go become vegan, keto, whatever else. I'm just saying eat better. I'm at a talk once and a guy yells out, how much better? Like, what a great question. 5% better. And someone's like, why five? I'm like, because 5% is a joke. Every one of you can eat 5% better. How about you exercise 5% better, sleep 5% better, and eat 5% better? Right? It's those compounding things over time that help us. And so I would suggest one of the roads is this. And if you're a parent or there's something your spouse or someone's dealing with, help them with this. Number two, go see a registered like counselor, psychologist, psychotherapist. Now, there's often this debate in the church world about terms, biblical counseling, Christian counseling. Here's the reality. I want someone who's talking about and helping me with my mental health. I don't want someone who's just walking through scripture. I think that's more called spiritual formation. It's wonderful stuff. But during this season, I want people who are helping me with my anxiety management, caring for my family, support for my emotions, walking through this conversation of perspective and pace of life. And I put down there, have fun. Because the truth is, as we get older, sometimes we stop having fun. And so I would just say, walk through these conversations. And the third one, and this is not the last, this is like, Again, the Venn diagram is our faith. Build your faith. Do everything you can. And the top right spiritual disciplines, read, pray, fast, study, volunteer, musical worship, and the list goes on. Our worldview shapes our values. Our values shape our actions, right? This is where I just challenge us to lean into our faith. Now, those of us who are struggling often say this, I don't feel God anymore. Sometimes we call this the dark night of the soul. Here's the truth. When your emotions are deadened, you don't feel connected with your spouse, your children, and sometimes God. But no one ever says, oh, Brett, I have a feeling in God. You say, I have a faith in God. We have a faith in Jesus. And right, so just because you don't feel God, doesn't mean God is not there. Our circumstances will never alter the character of God. God is God and we are not God. How about in the season we say, God, what would you like me to learn with what's going on? You're not saying God did this to you. You're just saying, God, in this moment, this is what's happened to me. What can I do? What can help me? And uh, I do believe things like restoration prayer are good. And I just would say this is one of the things that we just make sure. And my church, my pastor has his doctorate in spiritual warfare from Fuller and this is something I walk through. If you want a great beginning point for that, I would buy a book by Neil. I said Neil Armstrong the other week. Very different. Neil Anderson. He has a book called The Bondage Breaker. The problem is I think sometimes churches do that too much as opposed to some actually do it never. Uh, when I'm speaking in a public environment, I actually use these because I can't talk about faith. But here's the truth. These are still important. We as Christians still live in the world. These things are still important for us. Gratitude, have a gratitude jar. Uh, a gratitude jar is just where literally you put in things you're thankful for. Relationships, friends, mindfulness will come back to. The spoons analogy is a really great one. This is what it says. Basically, you have so many spoons. I don't have spoons. I'm going to grab a whole bunch of stuff, pens. This is what it means. I got five here. If today 
all I had in me from a mental health standpoint was five spoons and I had to record videos like this. Then I give the five to this, right? Give it to what's important, what you have to do, school, work. I would say faith, exercise, those things. It's just using your energy because sometimes when you wake up, if you're unwell, you get this. You wake up and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do today. And that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way, says Perry Noble. A great line, but use your energy wisely. I really think that's great. Now, I'm a Marvel movie fan, and they say this. The steps you take don't need to be big. They just need to take you in the right direction. The goal with these two weeks is to help you as a church body, help you as individuals and families, just maybe get the right trajectory and begin moving forward. So how does your faith connect in this conversation? Now, we often uh, throw out verses. I mean, uh, cast your burdens on the Lord. He will sustain you. Psalms, Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. I was at one church and a person yelled out, amen. But has anyone ever read like Nahum 1-8, which says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of Nineveh. And you're like, maybe that verse doesn't mean exactly as I thought it meant. My only point here is use the Bible. I post verses up around me, but know the context as well. Now, faith is an interesting conversation. Do we trust God is who he says he is? Meaning, is God still the same God if I never get better? And is God the same God if I do get better? There's things we need to walk through. Remember, just because you don't feel God doesn't mean that he's not there. Now, I began in my journey. Uh, this is... Uh, I always say Robert Munch, Edward Munch's picture called The Scream on the Bottom. You can only see a bit of it. But it was this debate of, did I do it? Is God doing these things? One person wrote me 36 purposes of God and our suffering. And I wrote the pastor back and I said, are you telling me God's doing this to me? And he's like, I don't know. There was this tension, right? I'm a, my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes, Time and Chance. Then you read Amos and Revelation, Deuteronomy, things like God tests his people to know what's in their hearts. And I'm like... Wow, those are, those are interesting verses as you're going through tough things. Richard Winter put it in perspective for me, and I love this. He says this, there's five reasons we have suffered or will suffer. Number one, Genesis 3. We live in a fallen world, and we're deeply affected by it. I had a board member a number of years ago die of a heart attack at like 41. Like, we live in a fallen world. We're deeply affected by it. Number two, we live with the effects of others' sins. One of my best friends growing up, uh, Warren, was killed by a drunk driver about 17 years ago. We've lived with that forever. His wife does, his family does, his friends do. Number three, we live with our own sinful nature. I told everyone I will be fine. I was wrong. And I wish I could go back and do it again. Now, the problem is, is that I prob like, there's, there's a fallacy in my thinking. The idea is if I went back and I didn't work really hard, this wouldn't happen to me. But the truth is, it probably would have happened if I was still teaching or if I even had a regular schedule. I think I probably had a predisposition to this. Now, number four and number five, we kind of mentioned number four earlier. There is a spiritual realm. But I think some churches, this is everything. Like, we, we right away go here. I The number of teenage girls, especially, who write me and say, my mom says I'm demonized. And I'm like, have you ever been to a doctor? And they're like, no. Why would we not, like, why do we right away go there? I think we do because we think it's easy. If it's this, then I just say a prayer and I'm better. But the problem is, is that what we end up doing is we blame people that I guess you didn't pray. That's why you're sick. And then there's those verses, God's discipline and discipleship. I just love this. And I think one, two, and three is where most of the time we'll find the conversations. 
And I would encourage you to print off Thomas Merton's Prayer of Abandonment. If I just paraphrase, it says, God, I have no idea what's going on, but I love you and I will trust you. It's that simple. Now, I also think it's important to go through verses because the number one verse that's been said to me, and if you struggle with this, probably you, is Romans 8.28. And I think we use this wrong. The way we use this is, it will be good. Whatever you're going through, Brett, it will be good. You're promised that it will be good. And See, I wish this was a proverb because proverbs are wisdom. Proverbs are adages, but this is Romans. Now, Paul does not say all things are good. If, if I come back next spring and speak to your church and said, how many of you had anything that happened this past year that was really hard? Hands would go up and you'd say, I, like I had a kid, a friend of mine last year whose daughter died. She was 12. And I've lost friends to cancer and tumors and other things. Like, And this isn't like Paul doesn't say life will be good. And the truth is, did these people who died, did they only need to read their Bible more or pray more and they'd be fine? No, that is utter religious abuse. I have a friend who's, when his father died of cancer, they said to the family, you didn't pray enough, you didn't read your Bible enough. And I, I, I don't even have to say to that. It just brings tears to people's eyes with, sometimes with the things that we say. If everyone in, in the Bible lived to these old, old ages, you'd say, well, maybe. But the truth is, like, John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus was murdered, all the disciples except for one were murdered and martyred. One person at one talk yelled out, what about Job? And I remember saying back, what about Job's family? If you read the story, remember, and the wind came and the house fell and Job's family died? His sons and his daughters and their families died. Job came back, but with a different family. All things are not good. Now, is God's kingdom moving towards its end in Revelation? Yes. Is it good? Oh, yes. Is all of life going to be good? No. Remembering God's ultimate good and our life feeling good are different things. Now I'm at a talk and a systematic theology professor, Bible college professor walks up and says, you know, the nuance with this verse is actually working along with for the good. And I said, why don't we use that? Because that's a lot different. Meaning, no matter what's happened to you, no matter who did it, no matter how it happened, God is with you and working along with you to bring it out for the good. And this is where someone like me speaks on mental. Someone like you can take whatever it might be, miscarriages, cancer, death of a loved one, and, and somehow bring that out for the good. I love that. So what did I need in my journey? Now, I'm going to give you two pages. One is things people have said, and I'm going to ask you to never say these things again. Almost all of us have. Our goal today is to be better. And so these are things we've all said before. And the next slide is going to be things that we can say. So we say everything happens for a reason. Now, I don't believe this is true. And I don't believe it's biblical. I think it's actually more Islamic. It's called determinism. Let's just say you actually believe this. Everything happens for a reason. So you sit down with someone like myself. And you're like, everything happens for a reason. And I would reply, what reason? And you're like, I don't know. And then you leave. And then I sit, and again, in all of my unwellness, I now have to figure out what is the reason. And this is the problem. There is mystery in scripture. There's mystery in like, there is no perfect reason for these things. God must have something amazing planned. Maybe he does. Maybe don't tell someone on their darkest day, God's doing it to them. Are you still reading your Bible? What you're actually saying is, if you stop reading your Bible, God's punishing you. Statistics say upwards of 90% of Christians don't read their Bible week to week. Another conversation for another day. 
Words from God. I think we need to have more discernment with this. I have had at least 200 people tell me God audibly told me what's wrong with you. One lady said, you have lead paint poisoning from all your third world travels to speak. And I said, ma'am, I, I speak 98% of the time in Canada. I live in Hampton Inns. There's no lead paint. You know what she did? She turned around and walked away from me. One second ago, the God of the universe audibly spoke to you. I said one line and she just walks away. God won't give you more than you can handle is not in the Bible. God won't tempt you more than you can handle is in the Bible. How many times do Old Testament prophets and other people say, you know, I'm burdened beyond all we can bear. And then what do we do? We lean back on God. If you need any help, let me know. Don't say if you need a spaghetti or a lasagna, let me know. Just bring them a spaghetti or lasagna. Is there sin in your life? I still get this. And I'm always like, yeah, tons. And then the person doesn't know what to say. You're literally blaming me, saying if there's sin in your life, this is why it's happening. Now, if my issue is pornography and it's affecting my marriage, valid question, valid conversation. But to use this for mental health or cancer or other things is a little interesting. Have you tried praying, Satan the demonic? You will be okay. You don't know this. I've known good, strong Christian people who've died of things. We don't know this. Here's what you can say. You can say, uh, how are you today? And I love how are you today? Because today I can answer. Like, I don't, like, it's not a big question, just today. Say I'm praying for you and then actually do it. Say I'm sorry you're going through this. Just say something, say anything. Many of us who journey with unwellness, people don't know what to say anymore, so they say nothing. Give them a hug if we're allowed to. Sit with them, listen to their journey, talk about something else. Now, it says shawarma or Big Mac. If, if words like baba ganoush and hummus and tabbouleh fill your soul, my favorite food's a chicken shawarma. Darkest day of my life, someone brought me a chicken shawarma. And I remember I took a bite and I just, in my mind, I was like, there's something about food. I grew up Baptist and I married a Pentecostal. We go to, and now we attend a church called Sanctus in Ajax. But uh, what I miss most from my Baptist roots is potluck Wednesdays where we eat together, right? As a church family, there's something just special about that. So all I'm saying here is there's something about food. I love 2 Corinthians 1, 3, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I have a series of YouTube videos. There's 20 of them. I'm going to just quickly glean over them. You can watch them later. But having good health during mental health, uh, during COVID, these work pre-COVID, COVID, and after. Uh, a bunch of these we've already done. Uh, a couple here, breathing, number seven. It's interesting how we think breathing is new age. Someone said that to me the other week. Oh, you said you should use apps like Calm or Headspace. This is not meditating. This is not silence, right? In, in, in Like just sitting on a bench and being silent and listening to God. This is breathing. I'm a kin kinesiology major. I would work with Olympic athletes, teaching them to visualize what they're going to do and how to calm their bodies down. If you're anxious, you're breathing up here and like not with your belly. I'm holding my belly. Um, apps like Calm and Headspace help you calm down. Uh, counseling. I think counseling is so important. Uh, family check-in, we address that one at the bottom. Uh, grace and mercy. Grace and mercy for all of you. Parents, teachers, people working at Costco, like everyone, grace and mercy right now, especially as Christians. I'm at a drive through the other day at McDonald's getting an iced coffee, and a person with a Jesus fish is tearing into the 15-year-old girl. Like, honestly, I get up to the front, she's weeping, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. He, she messed up his order or something? 
Maybe don't put a Jesus fish in your car if you're going to do that as well. Side note, things we miss, Jar. Parents, if you have young kids, things we miss, right? I miss seeing grandma. I miss going to church or whatever else. And then when we can, we can pull them out. And the last page, family dinners. Please eat together as families. There's something so protective about this conversation. And this is phones away and asking good questions. Oops, sorry. Uh, there is so much that you can do and walk through that. So some thoughts and then we're going to be done. Please advocate for each other. Right? Please stand in that gap for each other. This is where we love one another and we support our church family and outside our church walls. Dr. Dan Siegel says we need to help, and I would say everyone understand that the clouds of their emotions can and will roll on by. Today might be bad. It doesn't mean tomorrow will be. It's a really important thing. And this is a great idea. If one door isn't working, choose another. If one med's not working, choose another. If one counselor isn't working, choose another. Bruce Coburn uh, used to sing, if, if you're more my age, Bruce Coburn used to sing to kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight. This is a fight. Mental health is a fight. And so I challenge you and I encourage you to fight and help each other in this as well. This is a really simple thing. I don't have a, I have half a glass. This is the idea. It's not half full or half empty. It's how long do you hold it? Right? If I hold this for like a full glass for five minutes, nothing. If I hold it out for eight hours a lot, if it's a day, I'll, I'll just feel paralyzed. All it's saying is this. We all have things that are going on. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean that we don't have things that we're struggling with, right? We're in the now, but the not yet. We're not yet in heaven when we're all fixed. We're still in this world today. And so in these broken things, you have to put them down sometimes. You can't just think on the darkness and think on the anxiety and think on the depression and think on the trauma and the pain. You have to put it down sometimes. Now, Maya Angelou once said, do the best until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. People have said to me, the thing that's hurt them the most in their mental health journey is the church. It's almost across the board that I hear. So I now just put this in for every church. I do not say this as a rebuke to your church. I don't say it. I just say it as here's how we get better. Because the truth is this. If we just hold our structures out and say, if our structures are hurting people, how do we get better? Because we, the reason... You're brought in, like I'm brought in for a day like today is because like your pastor loves you and wants to support you in a different conversation like this. So, A, talk about it from the pulpit. And you are. I love you're doing this whole pressure point uh, series. I'll, I'm actually going to watch it myself after because I think I'm the first two. But speak about it. And when we speak about it, right, that first mental health quote I said, we're not blaming people for it. We're not saying it's because you're not close enough to Jesus. I always say we talk a lot about how Jesus is with us in these journeys. We educate staff and volunteers, things like mental health first aid, living works has a thing called living works. Faith is great. Now here's the, the interesting one. Walk through our buildings and just take away unnecessary barriers. So here's a few. If you're a musical worship leader, I just ask you to be careful with language. Because if you say everyone rise, you actually say to certain people, you're not going to worship. Because if I'm asked to rise, I'm in a church with stadium seating and I'm dizzy with loud music, I'll be holding onto the pew and my only goal is to survive the four songs. What about a mom who's been up breastfeeding her all night or a person who's been at work and had a really hard week? You can worship in your seat. How about you just say, we're really glad you're here, whether you stand or whether you sit. And don't say lines like, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Because if someone's answer is no, you're leading them down a path. 
Maybe just say, we know some of you had a great week. We know some of you haven't. We're so glad you're here. Even things like roping off churches, which we use sometimes. People who struggle like me, we're creatures of habit. We want to sit in a certain seat somewhere. So I just, a pastor once said to me, like, you know, well, we have a balcony and we've roped off this. I'm like, let people sit wherever they want. If you're here, I'm so glad you're here. I don't care if you're in the back balcony or if in a corner of the church. Resource your congregation, local counselors, local organizations. And I always just say this can be put together in a book table. I was at a church and I came out and they had a table. It was actually like a, not just a table. It was a structure and it said like we care or something. But on it were pamphlets from local counseling organizations, eating disorders, self-harm, depression, suicide. What do you do? Then there was a book of the month and you could actually purchase the book. And then there was a map with pins put in with every, like here's where Celebrate Recovery is, here's where Freedom Sessions are. Some were that church, but other churches might have cancer care or grief care. And there was local counselors and I just, I almost cried because I'm like, this is a place that I could be in. By the way, I forgot one for number three. I was at a church in Alberta and when the musical worship was about to begin, the pastor said, we know our worship is loud. He said, it is. It was one of those churches with lights and everything else. He just said, if this affects you, we love you. He says, go outside. We, we put couches and a plasma screen TV and we have like more mellow. It's the same music, but just quieter. He says, please just go out. And then he said the line, honestly, again, just almost brought me to tears. He said, and when we're done, you're not interrupting me when you come back in. Because right after the worship is musical worship is usually the sermon. He said, please just come back in. And I'm like, this is a church that I could be at. This is a church that it's okay to not be okay in. I love Philippians. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. I love like Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Let's be the church to each other and to our communities around us. Now, I mentioned these in the first talk. Uh, there's a few other ones, though. This is a Canadian website called Wellness Together. Again, this is not faith conversations. We can add that in. This is just, you know, lots of boxes, things you can tick to see what kind of disorders you might have. There's group counseling, really, really great stuff. My website, again, is my name, brettalman.com. And mental health is one of the largest things I've, I speak on. And I put these up before all kinds of YouTube videos that you can find on this conversation of mental health. And I'm, I'm putting more up as we go. Now, I do have this talk filmed professionally. It changes ongoing. So if you find the professional one or other ones online, uh, you're welcome to share them. And all my other talks you can find online as well. Uh, all the books that I've shared last week and today and others you can find on this link. And uh, this is where I can literally put every topic I speak on. I put all the links up on one place. And these are the books I suggested last time. I'm not going to go over them again, but uh, for leaders, I think the first one's great. And for everyone else, I think the other three are great. I actually, my wife and I paid my kids to read the Greg Wells book. We begun paying $20 for certain books because I know high schoolers don't want to read. They're reading enough for school. And there's certain books I want them to read, just really good learning. And this is really, I'm preparing my kids because as of September, they'll both be away at university. Now I have four, five books I've written, two on media. These two, uh, the last ones are on, on mental health. The first one I wrote with a pastor and a psychologist was written before my breakdown. So good info, eating disorders, self-harm. Reset is a free ebook on my website. And uh, it is my breakdown put in book form. 
And then I had 18 friends and family. Some of you know, Carrie Newhoff, he wrote his journey and then other friends and family, you know, miscarriages and deaths and all these other things, but trying to lead that to hope and healing. And this is my new book. Yes, parenting is the first six chapters, but everything else is written to anyone with parenting tips. But the largest chapter by far is on mental health. Two slides and we're done. My counselor said once to me, put this beside your bed, beside your, your office, whatever. Great courage with great care. Today, whenever you're listening to this, some of you are not feeling great. Great courage. Go do what you need to do today. Go to work, go to school, do church, do devotions, do exercise, like do the things you need to do. And then great care. What is it that fills you up? And the truth is it's different for everyone. And this is what we need to learn for us and to teach to our families as parents and just to encourage everyone around us. This is a big conversation. It is. And hopefully the goal, like hopefully it sparked something like with you to begin to talk more in your church and small groups and families on this conversation of mental health. And I love body, mind and soul because we can all do that. If you have any questions, you can find me online. Thank you so much for having me in for this Pressure Point series. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you grateful, grateful for you, Father, for Christ, the Son, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that in this moment we are participants the transforming work of Jesus, that we are our participants in the body of Christ. Oh God, help us to see just the beauty and meaning and purpose and impact and implication of what it means to eat from one bread, to be one body, to be your community, your ecclesia, your assembly, your church. You're living in local presence here in our world. It's the communion of your children together in Christ through the empowering presence of your spirit. God, we surrender body, mind, and soul. Lord, you have wired our bodies you have designed the way our mind works and you have created us with a soul and spirit to be in relationship with you and live into new creation. And we, oh God, want to surrender and submit our body, our minds, our souls to you. And God, we lift up uh, those who, those of us, all of us who particularly needed a, a piece or all or parts or the collection of these last two weeks and uh, the ongoing journey. God, we invite uh, you to lead us and guide us. Help us to see the things right in front of us that can be one step forward. Help us to see how you're at work uh, in our body and in our minds and uh, the tools around us, God, and how we are formed in Christ and empowered by your spirit. Yeah, God, we bring this to you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And we thank you that we can gather today in increasing numbers. And we thank you that we can 
um, make some of these steps forward, God, to begin to interact with each other face to face. We just ask you to lead us and give us wisdom as we move forward in those steps. In your name we pray today, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.